0: everyone you're listening to those are the girls i'm mallory and i'm montea and we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values okay everyone today i'm doing a really fun interview with montea mundy and she does a bunch of things she is like the definition of an empowered woman and um we'll just get into it so my first question though for everyone listening and for myself is who are you what tell us about all the stuff that you do Okay. Well, yes, I'm
1: uh, pretty busy. Uh, so first of all, I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing for about five years. Um, my specialty is actually hemp law, but I have my own practice where I do a lot of general civil matters. Um, I'm also very active. I serve on the cabinet for future female leaders. Um, and I know you do as well. Ooh, ooh. And <laughs> I know, woo, woo. <laughs> and, I also, my local um, county executive board for the Republican Party, I serve on a committee for National Federation of Republican Women. I'm heavily involved with several nonprofits. I'm on the executive board for Fayette County Republican Women's Club, and I'm active in our local just um, Women's Club of Central Kentucky also um Kentucky has that weird election cycle where our constitutional officers get elected in odd years so we rarely have a year without elections so I'm always very involved with candidates that I like and certain campaigns there so that keeps me pretty busy as well I've run for office twice myself uh, so so that's been interesting too um I'm I'm glad to have a little break from that <laughs> Yeah I can imagine
0: um wow. So you do a lot and that's really cool. I love that. I personally I love being busy and doing all of the things. Um and what made you want to do all of that stuff? Because you're you are in um a similar all the things you do are pretty much in a similar field, but they're different aspects of it. And what made you want to do all of that? Well,
1: um, I think they fit my skill set, and it's kind of funny how God places callings on our life. I was fortunate at about six mm-hmm. years old. Um, I'm an only child. I'm super close with my parents. And I I walked up to them and I said, you know, I have my life figured out. I am I need to go to Wake Forest for undergrad, which I did. Um, I need to go to law school and I need to get into politics. And that was just kind of my life plan that never changed. And the trajectory may have changed just as, far right. as well. I implemented those things, but that was always my goal. And I think that law and politics really just fits my skill set. Like, for example, I cannot do math. I'm not a STEM person, uh, but I do public policy and things like that. So I think I also played to my, my skills and, you know, if you like it, it's not, it doesn't seem like work.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And also too, I like that. I find it very interesting that what you wanted to do growing up, it, continued and translated into what you're doing now because you hear a lot of stories about people who growing up they wanted to be a doctor then they took a chemistry class and they realized that they can't do chemistry so now they are um like a whatever the exact opposite of like a lawyer or something like that Mm -hmm. um so I really that's really cool and interesting that you what you wanted you kept with it the entire time yeah it's been and I feel like that also sorry go ahead no
1: absolutely I was just Going to say, I mean, it's been a blessing because I had so many friends in undergrad that literally were like, I have no idea what I want to do for a job. And they were just kind of floating around trying to take different majors. And it was kind of nice to have that focus the whole time. It just made choices a lot easier.
0: Yeah, yeah no I agree and what's really interesting too I'm just thinking about this thinking out loud I guess is that you kept the whole way through and there are certain positions I think that for example um being a hemp lawyer I feel like that's not something that you would have at like five I don't think that job existed mm-hmm. am that's I probably true. right wrong? yeah yeah, so I I just think that's really interesting how like the things that we want to do, like how things change. I mean, even like with podcasts, like growing up, I wanted I actually wanted to be um well, first <laughs> I wanted to be a princess up until like, way too old. Um and then I wanted to do marine biology and then um I wanted to do something in law and like international relations and politics so like I eventually found my way to where I am but I've always loved public speaking um the idea like podcasts weren't a thing growing up like there was the radio but that's not the same as podcasts so I think it's really cool that like every not everybody but a good chunk of us have kind of um wanted to have similar paths but as we've gotten older technology has changed different things have changed and now we're on um an the same trajectory, but with different purposes, I guess, is probably the way I'm thinking of it.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you're exactly right. I mean, hemp uh, wasn't even federally legalized until a couple years ago. So it just really wasn't the field that it is today. And I, I kind of fell into the job and became an expert in something kind of niche. Um, but right, I just knew I wanted to be a lawyer, and you kind of find yourself with these opportunities to get into certain areas that you could have never predicted.
0: Yes. So, um, I didn't have this question until re till just now. I just thought of this question. Can you explain, so you're a hemp lawyer. So does that mean like, I don't know much about this topic. Does that mean like marijuana? Like what exactly is hemp and like it's the same thing as marijuana? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yes. So hemp and marijuana uh, in the cannabis industry, we like to say that they are cousins, not brothers. So they're both cannabis. And if I was holding like a hemp plant and a marijuana plant in my two hands, like they would smell the same, look the same. Um, I mean, they're exactly the same except for the chemical makeup so you would literally have to scientifically test them to tell a difference hemp um is has a low THC content so in order for you to get like the same high you would get off of like a joint you would have to smoke like 10,000 pounds of hemp so people are not getting high off hemp oh what's cool about hemp versus marijuana is there's no ceiling on it right so like literally if you look around your room everything could be made of hemp. The clothes you're wearing, what you're eating, drinking, your furniture, um, your bedding, like everything could be made of hemp, which is cool. Whereas marijuana kind of has it stealing because it's used for psychoactive properties. So hemp is federally legal. Um, When I was running for city council, I live on a small farm I had a lot of agricultural area. And since there's currently no approved pesticides for hemp, it's great to be grown on former tobacco land because you don't use pesticides on tobacco. So I went and met with this hemp company uh, that was pretty new here in Lexington where I live. And I was kind of like, hey, can you like, give me a tour and tell me some more about hemp? Because I want to be able to discuss this topic intelligently. Well, long story short, they ended up offering me a job as general counsel, and I- Oh, wow. Absolutely. And so it was exciting because I also got to pair that with a lot of legislative things and government affairs, which is kind of my first love. Um, And then unfortunately, just with the hemp market and COVID, that company went into receivership, um, even though some of the owners remained my clients for a while. So that's how I ended up starting my own law firm. And I still do uh, specialize in hemp here and there. But it was an awesome opportunity. Um, The company I worked for, we solely processed into CBD. But of course, you can use hemp for grain and textiles and rope and all sorts of other things. Um, So it is different from marijuana. And honestly, because of cross-pollination issues and things like that, in states where both are legal, the hemp and marijuana lobbies kind of fight with each other a lot. So in Kentucky, we're pretty fortunate as our, um, our ag commissioner, here's one of my best friends, actually, we've been friends for a long time. And he says, we've been given the gift of hemp and we need to do with that, what we can. And it kind of simplifies things because you aren't having these arguments back and forth. It's like hemp is what we have. That's what you can grow. That's what you can get a license for. And you're not dealing with
0: the marijuana lobby. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting Um, because I do think like people who aren't really into either one just think of them as the same because I remember Mm -hmm. there's like a new hemp CBD shop down the street from my house and I remember seeing it and my parents were like oh my god I could not believe like what has the steak turned into oh my and I remember thinking like I feel like you're like they're they're different. I don't know how, but I think they are. Like I don't think it's a legit marijuana shop mm-hmm. right at like near our house. So um, that's really interesting. I I didn't I knew they were different, but I just didn't know like how different they were. So okay, a lot this is also know. kind of oh sorry, got
1: no, you're fine. I, yeah, I just was. Um, I'll tell you really quickly. I um, had a so a lot of what I would do when we would get into contract disputes and things is when I would go into the courtroom and I do love to litigate and and be in court, but it's a lot of judge education because right, it's new. And and so judges kind of don't know a lot about it. How would they? And we're setting a lot of precedents. And I went before a judge. I used to see all the time in Northern Kentucky when I did um, foreclosures and insurance defense and stuff. And he's a very well seasoned judge, but I remember I walked up to make my argument and he said, is this the weed case? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I just spend like 30 minutes doing a science lesson about like, well, Dredge, like weed's federally illegal. Um, hemp is not. Here's what this is, here's the licensing law. And um, so I mean, even some of the most intelligent people, they just don't have a reason to know the differences.
0: Yeah. And now there's a lot of um like MLMs that are selling C B D oil and mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It is. So, um, I just have another question in relation to this. So, you know, recently, um, the, I believe it was the house voted on whether to, um, allow, I think the law was, um, or the motion or whatever it was, was about, um, making marijuana federally legal, yes do you think that like your personal opinion do you think that's a good idea how do you think that'll affect the hemp industry how do you think that will affect um society if you can share that if not i understand like job purposes if not but oh. if you have opinions on that what are they I, yeah i so i absolutely have a lot of opinions on that um I, i'm 100 percent good
1: reasons i'm not someone that has like ever done drugs or whatever i i don't Smoker eater and just marijuana in any way, but the reason that I'm for it is uh, kind of twofold. One, selfishly, here in Kentucky, if you if you look at the polls, seventy percent of people. This is you know we're a red state, so seventy percent of all of Kentucky, they want at least medical marijuana, and that's because he, it's great for people with like epilepsy and chronic pain and anxiety and so many things. And um, you know how I believe you start is you have dosage and pill form or whatever, so that people know what they're getting. But the reality is all cannabis is a holistic thing that's grown in the ground. Whereas you have no idea what you're ingesting with some of these prescriptions. The second and probably main mm-hmm. thing for it is just like with hemp. The first step to regulating it is you have to federally decriminalize it. So that's what they did with hemp, And so then you were able to put in place all of these licensing laws, regulations, um, like, for example, with hemp, anyone can buy it. Uh, well, you may have to be over 18 or something to buy CBD, I'm not sure, but to grow it and to be able to handle it and process it, you have to have these really specific licenses. And so I think that that just helps in the law enforcement community and like with what I do, if... We put those protocols in place. And just like with hemp, states can completely opt out if they want and say, we're not going to give any licenses. We don't want people growing it here. We don't want it processed here. That's their prerogative. And they can still maintain states' rights that way. But there's just no way that we can properly regulate it if we don't first federally decriminalize it and then have some protocols for licensing and things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely I hear what you're saying. I um personally I just I'm all I'm on the fence. I think when you from like a legal standpoint, states' rights standpoint, yeah, I think decriminalizing um would be great. I think I'm always like I'm on the fence because I just think about like the people that I know. Um, no offense if any of y'all are listening, but <laughs> some of y'all are like incredibly like like you can people are just different like they're like lazy not all of the people I know that do it because then I also have like one or two friends that can hold that are in really good jobs like really really good jobs I don't want to out them or anything um and that they are high functioning members of society they're decent people and like they literally can't go a day without it so Mm -hmm. like I think like tiny things like that I'm just I'm I think I'm concerned about like culturally just like alcohol, like sure. will it become so like um, if it's accepted like legally, is it going to become culturally even more acceptable? But I think if you regulate it, that will help. I just I don't know. Like I just I my concern is just like I've just seen like I've ne- like I've just seen too much negativity from it. Like I don't know anyone that has like tried it. Like people, you know, in college, like it was like this thing to do, and, like, there's people who, like, did it a few times in college, and they don't do it anymore, but, like, I feel like a good chunk of people that did it in college are still doing it now, and, like, I it's not like alcohol where like when you get older you kind of realize okay maybe i shouldn't be getting drunk every night this probably isn't healthy i feel like it's the exact it's almost the exact opposite like i have a lot of friends that like um were really into alcohol in college and then they're like oh i don't know how it makes me feel but when i smoke i feel really really good so like i i don't know i just i i really debate with that but then i also think about the fact that like is it the government's role to tell us about morality but then at the same time, I'm like, oh, but if it's for the greater good, I always go back and forth. I'm deaf like my um not theology, my my philosophy when it comes to politics, just has been flip-flopping the past couple of months. Cause sometimes I'm like, Yeah, the government needs to tell you because <laughs> this is not wrong, it's not best for society. And the other times I'm like, Well, that's not the government's job. Like, you should be able right. to do whatever you want to do, just don't hurt people. But then it's like it could also, I don't know. It's a lot. It's
1: tough. And another thing we look at, like in the legal
0: community is there's all
1: these people that are sitting in jail and prison for just like a small amount of marijuana, because it is federally illegal. And I mean, I'm not saying what they did was right. And certainly drug dealing is different than possession. And I don't do criminal law. But the reality is, that they're sitting in jail and our taxpayer dollars are paying for them to sit in jail or prison when, and the prisons are overcrowded and on and on and on. When it's like, well, really, could we just regulate this a little bit better and prevent some of that waste?
0: Yeah, like that, I 100% sure. From the decriminalized aspect, yeah, I think that's probably the best. I, because, or at least, I don't know, like, I really don't think sending people to jail especially if they for just happy i don't think that's I, I don't know how that became a thing like that's not beneficial because mm-hmm. jail should just jail should be punishment and then it also should be something to help you eventually come out and become productive members of society exactly. that should be the purpose of it um but yeah okay so that was like our 10 minute segment on marijuana okay <laughs> <laughs> so The next question is if someone, so you run for office twice, what are like three tips you would have for a young Republican woman running for office?
1: Ooh, okay. Well, my very first (laughs) tip is that you just have to have thick skin. Um, my, my dad, was CEO of a large utility company. So he kind of was thrust into politics when I was growing up um, without running just by the nature of his job. And he would always tell me, when you get in the public eye, and he was absolutely right, you learn the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what he meant by that is people that you think are 100% on your side will stab you in the back. People you don't even know will support you. And they learn who your friends are And who's going to be there for you, but you have to have thick skin. I mean, when I ran, I ran against this like kind of crazy libertarian guy. And I mean, he made fun of everything from like how I looked, how I talked, like attacked my family. And you just really have to kind of be like, well, I've been called worse by better and and soldier on. But you do have to have thick skin. And I think that people think it's uncouth to attack, especially young women, but politics are dirty. And um, so you you just have to really focus on what your goal is and kind of not listen to all of that external stuff. That That's my first piece of advice. Um, my second piece of advice is just to stick to your platform. So I, the first time I ran, I ran for city council and I started, so there, it's a two-year cycle. I literally started two years before and I really crafted what my platform was. I basically had a year of trial and error, which was nice because I was a first time candidate. I was like, I kind of have no idea what I'm doing. This is a nonpartisan race. so the State and local party weren't super involved. And so you really have to have a strong platform because at the end of the day, as much as you can say, don't vote for the other guy because they're terrible. People want to hear your ideas and they don't want you to, you know be like the Bible says that it's terrible to be lukewarm. Well, I think it's terrible to be lukewarm in politics too. So like one of the things I admire about um certain people that I disagree ideologically with is like if they're a socialist and they say they're a socialist, I'm like, hey, at least they're being authentic. So like if you're a conservative (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like I'm like, well hey, they're not lying about that. So if you're a conservative (laughs) life and you're this or that, like be authentic about it. And if people don't like it, they were going to find that out about you anyway, but at least you're being your authentic self and you've really just stuck to your core platform. Um, Lastly, I think that you just have to get involved. Um, I always kind of thought that I was going to run for office and I felt like that was God's will for my life. And it didn't end up working out both times. It was a wonderful experience, but you know, I started stuffing envelopes and knocking on doors and everything when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And I was super involved in college Republicans. And then I um, helped run some campaigns and got involved that way. And so the more you're involved, the more not only are you kind of like absorbing through osmosis, though I'll say being a candidate different from working on a campaign, but you're making those connections and people have seen you around, and they know that you're not just an amateur, and they know that you understand the party process and the party politics. And so by being around that, you're kind of equipping yourself for perhaps, I mean, we don't know when God's going to give us opportunities. So I was just kind of hanging around. I said, I'm never going to run again. And a few people from the state party were like, well, we have a spot that we want you to run for. And I told them no. And they asked (laughs) And that was just kind of by virtue of being involved. So if you think running for office is something you might want to do, get involved with candidates you believed in, get involved with you know young Republicans, college Republicans, whatever you can. And that will eventually fall into place and, and you will have learned a lot about the political process.
0: Yes, I love that. All of that was really, really good advice. I know myself and a lot of other listeners um, have thought about it you know, obviously, if it were for me, it'd be like way down the road. But I know I've had a few listeners reach out and say they thought about it. Um, and that's really great advice. And to the, your last point about getting involved. Um, I really love that you're saying that because that's something that um, Victoria and I talked about a couple of episodes. It's just getting involved in like networking and like mm-hmm. learning more about the process, especially if you see something that's like a problem that you want to help. Like this is the best way like getting involved stuffing it like doing the dirty work getting involved stuffing the envelopes doing calls mm-hmm. door knocking things like that okay so let's move on to like the fun less serious portion <laughs> okay. of this episode okay um I'm gonna ask you a few of your favorites the first question is what is your favorite bible first and why Well, I I always feel like
1: it's so cliche because it's probably everyone's favorite, but Jeremiah (laughs) 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. It just, I just think it doesn't get any better than that because if you're having a good day, you're like, yeah, you know, God's on my side, but also we've all made mistakes. We've all had setbacks but God's working all of that together for our good. No, no matter whether we can see it or not. And that doesn't change his calling on your life. Like I believe that he, uh, qualifies the call, not calls the qualified. And so that verse realized like whatever it is he has for me, like I by my own virtue probably can't do it, but you know, he's in control and it just kind of grounds me. So I'm sticking with that verse. I wish I had a more, um, unique one but I feel like the reason everyone loves that verse is because it's just so good in everyday life
0: yeah and it honestly it's so comforting especially when everything is going crazy just thinking like you know what God has a plan I might not know what it is but God does it's so comforting
1: Mm -hmm. I agree
0: okay so Next question. Um, Let's say you are dating your dream guy and he wants to bring you flowers. What flower would you suggest?
1: Ah, uh, so I'm not a big flowers person, but I love Stargazer lilies. Like, they're my absolute most favorite. Ooh. They are not in season all the time. Okay. So, like, when people have sent me flowers, they've been like, I called everywhere. They don't have them. <laughs> but I think they're just. <laughs>
0: I have never seen or heard of stargazer lilies but I'm gonna have to look those up and lilies they're, are always really pretty though
1: they're gorgeous they're just a, they're kind of like a pinky purple lily um I feel, like Ooh. Them, I feel like oh I have seen those but they're just so pretty
0: okay all right so um next question what is your ideal chick-fil-a order so I actually
1: am that weird person that I don't eat a lot of chicken. I eat like way too much red meat, but I do occasionally do Chick-fil-A. And I will say that I okay, okay. occur for their like regular chicken sandwich with like just the pickles. Like I don't add anything to it. If I'm in the mood for Chick-fil-A, like that's what I'm getting. I feel like you can't mess up a classic. I just get it how it is.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I love the classic Chick Fil A. I know a lot of people are like really into the spicy one now. Mm-hmm. I don't really like spicy in general, but I still think the classic is like it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, favorite
1: movie? Ooh, favorite movies. So I am like this weird person that thinks that everything in life is way too serious. So I only do comedy. Um,
0: pro- okay, that's good. That's probably high. honestly.
1: Not surprisingly, the movie that I've seen like fifty thousand times is the campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Like, I just think it is the funniest thing in the whole world.
0: I need to say, I've never seen it. I'm pretty sure I've seen memes of it. Um, You love it, Zach Zach Galifianakis. He's the guy from The Hangover, right? Uh huh. He's like the weird brother from The Hangover. He's hilarious okay okay yeah oh wow okay if wolf um Ferrell and that guy are in it oh it's probably gonna be really good okay it's called the campaign
1: yes and it's about politics i mean like they're running against each other and there's these guys that are supposed to. oh be-
0: that's probably so great
1: yeah like dan Aykroyd and somebody else you would recognize i can't remember who are supposed to be like the cook brothers like but it's just i mean the whole thing is just like satire you would absolutely love it
0: Oh, okay. I'm really excited. All right. I'm going to see if it's on <laughs> Netflix or we got Amazon, Amazon Prime Amazon. recently and it's there's a lot of Oh, it's on Amazon. There's a lot of stuff on there. I did not realize how much Amazon Prime had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, now Okay, so now we're going to do a lightning round of this or that. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Nail salon or the hair salon? Nail salon. Law and Order or Grey's Anatomy?
1: Oof, I don't want either,
0: but probably Law and Order. Good choice. Um, <laughs> would you rather go door knocking or make phone calls? Definitely door knocking. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> chips or popcorn? Oof, I don't really eat either of those either, but probably popcorn. Yeah, I agree. I like popcorn, significantly better than I like chips and i found this i forgot the name of the brand but it's in a red bag and it tastes like kettle corn oh. and it's like this special type of chip but it's like made out of popcorn and it's like really healthy for you it only has four ingredients and it's so good that i'm obsessed good. with it <laughs> so so good okay so last two questions before we go um the first question is can you just list a few women that inspire you Yes. Well, so the number one
1: person that inspires me is my mom. Um,
0: she has always, Aww.
1: yeah, I mean, she's wonderful. She's my absolute best friend. She's actually president of our local Republican women's club. Um, and she's always just given back to the community so much. And she runs two businesses. Like she's just, she's amazing. Um, so she inspires me every day. Um, I'm also really inspired by people like Kaylee McEnany and, um, Pam Bondi and Nikki Haley, just these women that, I mean, like all conservative women in the spotlight, they're given a really hard time and kind of told like, well, you're a woman. Why, why are you conservative? But they're these really strong personalities. They're really smart women. And they have just done so much for young conservative women to let us know like, yeah, there is a place for us and you don't always have to pay your dues for 50 years. There's a spot for us to make an impact right now.
0: Yeah. Love it. Love, love, love it. Okay. So last question. Um, can you just give us some books or podcasts or YouTube videos or anything that you recommend, um, for other young women out there who want to, um, become more knowledgeable on various topics who are interested in running for positions or just want to be inspired uh, or anything like that. Absolutely. So I will say that I, I'll put in a plug for future female leaders. I'm
1: not going to be able to give you as an extensive mm-hmm. as there is on their website. So you can definitely go there and check out like the books and podcasts they recommend. Um, I recently got uh, Dan Crenshaw's new book. It's signed by him. I'm like, have an obsession with Dan um and you know things like that inspire. that's cool um yeah I also read I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head but Dana Lash she's like the NRA national spokesperson she wrote a really um awesome book Nikki Haley's uh first book that she wrote was amazing it just talks about how she came kind of into running for office how she grew up um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, um, but a lot of them are actually like sermons and things like that. So they aren't all political. I know it sounds cliche, but I love Ben Shapiro. He's such a smart guy. from um, Breitbart, I think, is educational and PragerU is really educational. I think my advice to young women is just like Reagan says, trust, but verify. So anything that you might read, you know, the mainstream media is misleading us so badly. So just find an outlet somewhere that you trust for information um, and inform yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Do you, you can list the like sermon ones, like one or two of those if you want to, too. Okay. Um,
1: Yeah. So I, um, yeah. So my home church actually, it's kind of like a mega church over here, Southland Christian church. And our two main pastors, John Weiss and Scott Nickel, are amazing. So I, I listen to them a lot on YouTube. I also really like Joel Osteen. Um, he has a lot of really okay. good sermons and life lessons. He's, he's been through a lot. And then, um, Steven Furtick is one of my favorites too. And I think he actually is just better for people, you know, kind of under the age of 50, like he's kind of like hip and uses a lot of, um, pop culture references but he also really gets into the word and things like that but i think if it's someone that's struggling to find someone especially during covid that they can stick with through like a streaming platform uh steven furtick's definitely really good like he's he has a lot of energy he's really entertaining and he's young
0: okay all right thank you so so much for coming on and like all of the knowledge you gave us all of the fun questions you answered um i really appreciate it and everyone um thank you so much for listening you guys can listen back um for later on this week for whatever the other topics we'll cover all right everybody bye bye